How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, there's a new professional basketball league being formed, which is aimed at high school players who are between the ages of 16 and 18. <laughs> That's right. I said a professional basketball league for kids who are still in high school. The salary, a guaranteed minimum of $100,000. And if, well, things don't work out, the league also guarantees another $100,000 if your youngster decides to go to college. Now, the new league, it's called Overtime Elite. It was announced uh, just this past week, and I want to talk about this concept uh, and take a, a deeper look into it as well. Uh, and we'll get into this this uh, startup, for lack of a better term, a little later in the hour. And I, obviously, I want to get your thoughts and opinions about this league, which will be comprised of high school basketball players. Uh, obviously, the first question will be, would you let your, your own kid do this? But first up this morning, how do I know that high school sports are finally coming back to life in this country? Well, simple, because I've been receiving a steadily increasing number of emails in the last few weeks from sports parents who are focusing on what I call the, the so-called traditional concerns of competitive youth and high school sports. That is, after, well, let's face it, pretty much a year off from complaints due to, uh, to the pandemic, I'm suddenly seeing a real trickle of emails and texts, uh, questions like, uh, my kid plays for an insensitive high school coach. Uh, this guy, he's a real Neanderthal. What can I do to help my youngster? Or my kid is, is being viewed by everyone amongst his peers as a top athlete, everyone except his high school coach. 
what can he do to get the coach to change his opinion and get him more playing time? Uh, my, my, my son lost a vital year in terms of being recruited for college. Well, shouldn't his high school athletic department be doing more to help get the word out about him to college coaches? In other words, these are the kinds of questions I have received from concerned sports parents for years. And I imagine that even more of these kinds of questions will be coming my way this spring. So I have, a, I have an open-ended question for you all this morning. As I said, now that it seems that sports, fingers crossed, are finally coming back at the high school level as coaches and parents, does this mean we are just going to return to the, the youth sports and high school sports nuttiness that we left a year ago? That is, the, the, the past year's pause due to the pandemic has hopefully given us some time to reflect and maybe even gain some, some perspective on how we handle uh, youth and high school sports in this country. Think about it. While we all strive for a return to normalcy with our kids in sports, my question is, is normalcy really something that we want to return to? No, I'm not talking about you know having parents being able to once again go back and watch their kids play high school sports or for talented uh, athletes being recruited for college. That's all fine. Rather, I'm talking about whether this, this year-long pause gave us a chance to figure out how we should really totally reinvent youth and high school sports and club and travel sports. For example, right now, Instead of having individual sports act like little, little fiefdoms in terms of attracting young athletes and then in effect becoming the, the conduits for those young kids to specialize in that one sport and then find their way into the world of travel and club teams, wouldn't it make more sense to finally have a national youth sports commission to oversee all these sports programs? and then have that commission put forth directives and guidelines and for all parents, coaches, and their kids? I mean, to me, this, sounds, this all seems like the very obvious and natural next step. Not, not only would it help get everybody on the same page, not just from around here, but from all around the country, it would also help protect parents and their kids from, well, quite frankly, falling victim to overambitious travel programs, and even college coaches who unfortunately uh, sometimes overpromise when they're recruiting. And I want to get your thoughts about this because we know, we've discussed on, on the air, that the need for a commissioner of youth sports several times before in the show, but now the time seems to be right. Now we've gotten through the pandemic for the most part, and high school programs are opening up, and kids are getting back to playing and, and, and practicing. Let's talk about this because it makes sense for all these things to come together now. You know the number, of course. It's 877-337-6666. I'm going to get some thoughts about this. Now, as I said, I had originally called for the, the commissioner of youth sports to help protect parents from unregulated club and travel teams who, quite frankly, run their programs with impunity. The, the club owners determine how to run their tryouts. They determine who makes the teams how much to charge in terms of the fees. And of course, the parents pay all, all the, uh, the fees. Uh, the coaches' uh, philosophy on playing time and so on. And as we heard 
Just uh, more of the comments last week on, on the Sports Edge. The, the travel and club team approach is a lot different from serving as a high school coach, which means you have to be certified, licensed, uh, being, you have to be overseen by an athletic director, and, of course, you have a background as an educator. And, of course, every kid, every kid in school can try it for the high school team without having to pay a tryout fee. But this morning, I want to add into the mix that, in my opinion, it would help dramatically if we had one national youth sports organization or panel that oversaw all the various sports entities and really provided strong and clear guidelines on everything from coaching techniques to concerns about over-specialization to time management for our kids in school as they try to juggle their homework with schoolwork, I mean, I mean, with the practices and stuff, it goes on and on. I mean, right now, you have to pour through endless websites for whatever sport or sports that your kid plays. It would be so nice to have a single central one spot to go to where you can get direct information and advice and explanations on what you need to know about your kid playing sports. And no, I'm not just talking about surveys that simply say, be careful not to have your child over-specialize in one sport. Yeah, we already know that. Rather, some sort of elite panel that, that gives us a solid and workable direction on what to do with your nine-year-old who wants to play in a, a lot of different sports but is being told to focus just on one. Now, again, the reason why the timing is good now is we know that legis legislation is going to be introduced into Congress to revolutionize the NCAA and to empower college athletes and to give them more rights. So why doesn't Congress take the next step and provide more guidance and protection for younger athletes as well? I mean, it just seems like a natural and obvious next move. Again, what do you think? one 337 6666 I mean, we know, for example, at the professional level, the pro leagues, they do provide websites and guidelines on how to teach athletic skills. But again, it's specific to their sport only, and there's no other, other background in terms of working with parents, coaches, really getting down to the nitty-gritty of the tough choices and parents and decisions that, that moms and dads have to make with their the young athletes. I'm talking about a resource for sports parents who are trying to do the right thing for their kids, especially for any parent who has never gone through youth sports before. This kind of national website or guidance or panel could be a great, great assistance. Basic kind of questions that we covered. Well, how do I find a good travel team for my youngster? What are the questions I need to ask? How are the, how are the tryouts conducted? How much do they cost? And if my kid does make a travel team, you know, what kind of fees can I expect to pay? What are the real ranges in terms of, of cost in terms of my youngster to play in a travel or a club team so I can begin to budget this out? And what about the time commitment? How much travel to away games is really involved. Uh, can, can my youngster play on a travel team and still play on his or her high school team in the same sport during the same season? What if the travel team coach is not that good or doesn't give my kid enough playing time? Uh, and what do I do if my kid's travel team coach, his advice or her advice on a technique uh, is contrary to what my youngster's high school coach wants them to do? Now, I got to tell you, over the years, I've spoken to concerned sports parenting groups all over the country, 
And these are the, the kinds of questions I hear all the time. There's a clearly a re real need and desire for national guidance. Remember, the youth sports industry is projected in this country at about $19 billion a year. $19 billion. So why don't we have better guidance and protection for, for sports parents and our kids? As I said, this seems like a perfect opportunity for someone in our legislative bodies to step up and make this happen. Okay, I, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about, obviously, this the Overtime Elite League. Uh, a lot of ground to cover this morning. And obviously, I want to hear your thoughts and comments about all this. one 337 6666 Let me take a pause here. When I return, I'll take your calls right away. Sports Radio 101.9 And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I've asked the question, why doesn't Congress take a major step forward and address the needs and concerns of sports parents in this country? I mean, to me, especially now, there's obviously a lot of uh, action right now to put forward in Congress uh, some new rules and regulations regarding college athletes and the NCAA. Why not just basically say, okay, let's really look into what the questions that sports parents have everywhere about their kids starting out in sports and the concerns and the hoops and hurdles they're going to they're going to confront along the way. There are a lot of decisions, as you well know, that you have to deal with if you're a sports parent regarding your youngster. I mean, this, this Congress could put together a blue ribbon panel of sports parenting experts, uh, pediatricians, coaches, educators, uh, psychologists, and so on, and let them provide real hands-on guidance for, for moms and dads on all the basic questions that parents have when it comes to their kids and competitive sports. And we're talking about this because I do think the time has come, uh, and I, I think it's, it's a very simple procedure to move ahead and will do tremendous, tremendous, uh, bring tremendous benefits to everybody who's involved in educating kids in sports. Let's start our conversation this morning. Let's go first to Tim in Eastchester. Good morning, Tim. You're next up on the fan. Morning, Coach. Say, Coach, I'd like to start off by saying thank you for that wonderful segment that you had with Rich Cohen a couple of weeks ago about Pee Wee's Confession of a Hockey pa Parent. Yeah. As I smile now, I mean, it brought so much joy, and it was a much-needed respite from the pandemic talk. So thank you for that. Yeah, that was, that was a great, fun interview. And, uh, you know, the, uh, in many ways, uh, you know, Rich Cohen in his book about uh, being a hockey parent, I mean, this is exactly what I'm talking about, because he basically talked about what it's like to be, to be a very much an involved parent, watching your, your kid go out and play travel hockey, and the various uh, pitfalls uh, that he had to avoid uh, to make sure that his kid enjoyed having a chance to play hockey for a year. So anyhow, Tim, thank you for that. Yes, and unfortunately, Coach, uh, I love the idea about an oversight commissioner for yep. youth sports, but I believe it wouldn't be the panacea that we're looking for because, Coach, as I see it firsthand, because I have two daughters playing in youth sports, too much money is being made. And, Coach, if you look at even at the handling of the pandemic, we couldn't take a natural, uh, a, a national approach to that, and it was state by state. So what makes us believe that people in California would say, "I don't care what they do in New York; they don't play baseball all year round there." You know, they, they, they should have no say. So I think the idea is great, but I don't think it will happen. And finally, coach, with this overtime elite, 
Yep. I believe this is going to be a Rubicon moment for high school high school sports. My heart is broken when I read that article. Uh, I don't feel good about it. I don't like it. And you know what I don't like? Just look at high, uh, college basketball like the gentleman you had on a couple of weeks ago when he said it was inevitable that these guys are going to be paid. Yes. And he said there's hundreds of millions of dollars that the schools are being made. Coach, you talk about a panacea. Education is first and foremost one of the greatest challenges that this country faces. I would love to see that money filtered down to the schools collectively on a national basis. I mean, we can do good for so many with so much, and yet we don't have answers for that. And unfortunately, <laughs> Coach, and I hate to say this, yeah. but we live in a monetary society. It's unfortunately about the I factor, which also means the greed factor. And as I said earlier, it breaks my heart. And I hope I'm mistaken, Coach. I really do. I hope there's nothing that but good that comes from this. But I got a funny feeling, like I said, this is going to be a Rubicon moment. And uh, when we cross that bridge, there's no turning back. Coach, Tim. as always, thank you for the time. You have a great day and a better week. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. And you make some very, very uh, cogent points and observations. Uh, and just very quickly before I get to the next call, yeah, Tim mentioned about the fact that, you know, what you know, if you do a, a national commission on youth sports in this country and high school sports, yeah, I mean, the fact is you're going to say, well, we live in California. What do we care what they're doing in New York? Obviously, it's a different climate and so on and so forth. Yeah, but many of the same issues that uh, afflict uh, parents, uh, whether you're in California or Florida or Texas or, or Connecticut, they're the same. And, and, and you have to have somebody somewhere providing some real expertise. Again, not interested. There's some groups out there that do surveys. Yeah, we know what the problems are. We don't need to have more surveys. We need somebody, some experts to say, here's what I think you guys should be doing in terms of making long-term decisions for your sons and daughters who play competitive sports. That's what we need. Uh, again, at least it bears uh, or warrants some discussion in Congress to at least figure out maybe we can do this. Um, because as we saw firsthand from the pandemic, where basically the federal government said, no, every state's on their own. And then the state said, you, you uh, do it on the individual school district basis. It was just chaos and, and total confusion. And it really, it's amazing we've gotten this far trying to resurrect our high school sports. But again, it would be so helpful to have some national central clearing house to say, here's what you should know about uh, what's the right age to specialize in one sport, and so on and so forth. Simple as that. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Matt and Freehold. Hey, Matt. Good morning. You're on the fan. Morning. I appreciate it. Great topic. Yeah, I uh, feel pretty strongly about it. I mean, we have trouble uh, getting a blue ribbon panel of politicians together to get things done. Firstly, so the source <laughs> of the information yeah. really would uh, be cause for concern. I coach for 20 years plus in uh, wrestling and girls soccer. My quandary comes in where you say, um, uh, you mentioned something in your opening, I believe it was, about, uh, you know, this coach saying, uh, do this, uh, the other yes. coach saying, do why, yep. so on and so forth. If I boil it down to wrestling, is it almost as if, you know, if I teach a single, uh, a single series to those kids I coach and then the Blue Ribbon panel recommends doubles, is it a recommendation as to how to coach or is it a mandate, here's how you should do it? therefore taking the individualism and choice out of what the coach in his heart or her heart believes is the best thing for uh, those on the team. 
there's just a lot of lines being crossed here dangerously, in my opinion. And uh, I want to know how you would reconcile uh, such things. Matt, I, I, again, uh, these are delicate questions, and I, I don't know uh, if there is a precise answer. But I will tell you this, that the, as you well know, these kind of things happen all the time. And, you know, the coaches on either end, whether it's the, uh, the travel coach or the high school coach, you know, sort of doesn't know how to respond appropriately, except to say, well, this is my team. And if you want to, you know, compete on my team, you have to do things my way. That's not an appropriate response either. But at least I feel that if this is being addressed by a, a number of top people who are experts in the field of coaching, at least we might get a little headway as to figure out how do we how do we figure this out? How do we do, do we tell travel coaches uh, to say you have to understand your 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 athlete also plays or competes on their high school team, have some respect for the high school coach. So at least you can just say, this is just a suggestion. You don't have to do it. It's not a mandate, but you might want to at least think about it. It's simple as that. I mean, it's, it's, this is right now, those conversations don't take place. And that, that's what bothers me. Instead, I, I get a lot of emails and calls about this stuff. Uh, and I think the time has come to at least address this. Hey, Matt, thank, thank you for your thoughts. Uh, uh, good observations. Let's turn to uh, Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Greg. You there, Jack? I'm here. How are you? Good. Go ahead, Jack. Well, you know, let's let's talk about the pro league first, real quick. And you know, it recently, actually, yesterday, speaking to my good friend down in Florida, uh, Tom Valenzola, an, an AD, <clears throat> a retired athletic director, he told me to quote him, but I really can't quote him on the radio. So um, he thinks it's it, it's a complete joke, as I do. I, I think that. We're asking kids to make life decisions at 16 years old, something that's going to affect them the rest of their lives. And, you know, they're taking away so much of an education. I mean, from what I read in the article and a couple articles about it, you know, people are going to have to move and go to one city where this is going to take place. And I understand that. But, you know, that means parents might have to drop their jobs and leave their jobs and things. It's a complete farce, in my opinion. And, you know, when you're talking about it, it has to make money in order to keep it going. Mm -hmm. And if it does succeed, and if it does succeed, now you're going to now you're going to wind up seeing lacrosse programs starting like this. I mean, to the point where they're not just elite programs training kids for the future, but paying them to train for the future. And there's no guarantee that they'll ever have a future. So you know, you're taking a big chance with your early childhood life. You know, your developmental years. I mean. It's, you know, and then talking to Tom about it, 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 it really is a farce. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, going back to the youth sports thing and a commissioner, you know, first of all, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote you a little bit here, people read the sports parenting edge because all the things that we want, the guidance that we want from a commission, from a commissioner, from a commissioner, are basically in that book about you take you take a kid from T-ball and you bring them all the way up to college life and and how to develop them and how to act and what to do and let them make their decisions. So a commissioner is so important or a committee. You know, you've talked about this in the past. 
There are billions of dollars, more than Major League Baseball produces each year mm -hmm. in youth sports. Mm -hmm. But we're not allowing anybody to guide that. So when you talk about these club teams being a money and talking to Dr. Freed, you know, these club teams are a moneymaker. And you're, you're, you're paying for things, for skills, all right, or being taught by people that don't know what they're teaching on the most case. But there are many programs out there that are excellent programs. So it's like almost like a pick and choose, like a, a potluck situation. You know, so if you're going to have produce, if you're going to have programs like club programs, you need to have people in charge that are teaching what's being taught today, not what was taught 40 years ago. So it's a, it's such a fine line, but there must be a, a committee or a commissioner of youth sports. Because like you've said in the past, and I've used your quote many, many times, it is the wild, wild west. And, you know, I can go out and start a team, know nothing about softball or baseball or any sport, charge people $10,000 a year to, you know, to work three seasons out of the four and not teach them anything. And, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's every program because there are so many good programs out there. Yes. But there are more not so good programs. You know, Rick, and... You know, it's just, uh, it's a farce, you know, when you talk about how we're allowed to do these things. And like the gentleman said before, you know, when a kid and a father or a parent tries to get these kids private lessons and they feel that they're the, you know, the next thing, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, they're going to be that athlete who makes it all the way to the top. You know, when you look at these schools out there and the monies, there's 10 times more money for academics than there are athletics. So, Jack, I, I, you know, I, you know, I hear you loud and clear. You Obviously, parents know. I think uh, at an intellectual level, parents know that there's more money available for academics. But after all, it's a lot more fun to see your kid be the star, uh, you know, in, in the the soccer program or lacrosse program, whatever it might be. And that's that that's what we all get excited about. So I get all that, Jack. Thank thank you for the call and comments uh, as always. You know, uh, we're asking the question today about why isn't there, why doesn't Congress take the next step forward and begin to have at least a, a panel uh, of experts uh, when it comes to our kids and, and, and sports and whether it's the, the panel is comprised of uh, pediatricians uh, or orthopedic uh, surgeons or, or coaches, educators, psychologists provide some guidance because as, as Jack Smithman just said, and you've heard me say this many times over the years, it is the wild, wild west out there. You, you are on your own. You have to make your own decisions for your kids, not always knowing this is the right move. And, and uh, I, I dare say that if you talk to some, some veterans of these wars uh, with, with sports parenting, they'll tell you they made mistakes along the way and their kid had to pay the price. If only there were some central organization, some central website that can provide the basics of what you need to know and if things go south, what you can do uh, to either uh, you know, make things better. Uh, and again, we've talked about this. We, yes, there are a number of club programs which are elite programs which are well run, a number of travel programs which are well run, but unfortunately because there's no real oversight or regulation, there are a lot of ones out there that are basically just about making money. And you're not, it's pretty much, as I said before, a caveat emptor. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to, uh, to Rob and Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Rick, good morning. Jack, always great, great, and, and always great to hear from him. This is interesting because a lot of the callers this morning, 
you know, are hitting on everything. Your first caller, that kind of, I feel similar. We have to get really sadly to the state level first. He had a very good point saying, listen, we can't even get, you know, Congress to, you know, with the, with the pandemic, and, and it, we got to go through all the red tape. I think, Rick, it's definitely needed. We must start on the state level, though. I mean, you'd be perfect for New York State. You've been preaching this, and because different states have different, you know, different laws, and, and it's very difficult, I think, to go right to the national level. But I do agree somewhere down the line that should happen. I would love to be on the panel for the medical part. You talk about pediatricians and, and, and doctors and psychologists. So going forward, I totally, totally agree. Now, you hit on a couple points which I want to you know, be consistent with. Number one, travel teams are strictly a business. There were some great programs, as Jack said, as you said, other calls have said, but it's all about making money. Lou called up. I mentioned that to you last week. The girl, he had a fabulous call. He was talking about last week about being a coach and what it takes to be a coach. There's so much involved to get certified. These coaches at the travel level, they don't have to do anything but just basically run the program or be selected to be a coach in the program. They might know what they're doing, but when you're a teacher and you're in, you know, there's so much more involved being a coach at the high school level. Next thing, I really believe in my opinion, Rick, we must get back to the high school sports because that's the root. Maybe I'm old school. But that's where the educators are. That's where the teachers can teach. And that should be the prime focus of of, of high school and youth sports. Then you use the travel as adjunct secondary programs for the elite. As far as this professional league, as Jack said, it's a joke, okay? Freddie Adu was one kid. I remember um, back when he was 14 years old. Great, Great youth kid, great soccer player. That's for the 1%. High schools, really, the, to parents, it's great to be an athlete. Very few get to the, play college sports anyway. And as far as it should be education, uh, parents should be looking at the kid to pick their college first. You picked Harvard, okay? Other kids go for Ivy. Other kids go for other top institutions. Sports should be secondary, okay? Because when you're done with sports in your life, then you move on to the real world. It's the point zero zero one percent that get to that level. But Rick, I really believe this this show is is a microcosm of the world, and 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 that it's the most informative show on the station. And you know, I'm very passionate about that. <laughs> and thank you always for the time. Th- thank you, uh, thank you, Rob. Uh, always good to hear from you. And thank you for the very very nice words as well. All right, look, we're talking about. Two issues today. We're talking about why doesn't Congress take the next step forward and put out some sort of centralized panel, website, whatever, to help sports parents. Again, we've heard about, um, I would start at the national level, but I can certainly see this happening at the state level. I already know, of course, that every state has some sort of regulatory panel in place. But again, that's really much to oversee the uh, the, the high schools in the state and their sports programs. I'm talking about a different kind of, of animal here. I'm talking about a, just a basically uh, a resource that parents can go to for information about this travel team or this club team or this, what do I do? If my, what's the right age for my kid to do this or, or to specialize or what's the, whatever. But there should be a real sort of independent panel that can provide real insight to help sports parents when it comes to making decisions regarding their kids. And 
We're talking about this, this, this new league, the Overtime Elite, which is a newly announced uh, pro basketball league for high school kids 16 through 18. And uh, the salary is 100000 a year. Um, you know, I, I want to talk about this as well because I, I don't know, maybe for the older listeners in the audience, they might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, if you're a kid, you might think, no, this is the way to go. I can make real money. And uh, after all, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, somebody who's going to be a star in the classroom, but I am pretty good in basketball. So this is what I want to do. one 337 6666 Let's take a timeout. When I return, we'll go back to our topics. Hey, uh, Ed Coleman and Sweeney Murdia, uh, they're up next at 9 uh, after the Sports Edge. And, of course, Ed and Sweeney will be talking about the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, and you can always follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf. You can go to AskCoachWolf.com for uh, my blog postings. And, of course, it's where you can also contact me as well. Just a few thoughts before I get back to the calls uh, about this overtime elite league. Uh, again, uh, it, it's, it's, it's obviously intriguing. Because, uh, holy smokes, a kid who's 16, 17, 18 years old in high school to turn pro uh, to play in this league. Uh, but, and the annual salary is a minimum of at least $100,000, which is pretty good income for sure. Uh, and also the league has said that they would provide 100000 uh, extra if uh, the youngster decides to go to college. But let's take a deeper look at all this. First of all, Remember that a, a Division One, if your kid's a really, really super talented basketball player, a Division One scholarship these days is worth anywhere between two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for four years. Uh, you know, let's remember that, that that's that's a lot more than a hundred thousand dollars for uh, a college scholarship for a hundred grand from the uh, Overtime Elite League. Um, Overtime Elite also says it's it's going to start with about thirty kids. And that these kids from high school are going to be selected from not just here in the United States, but from around the world. So obviously we know that basketball is a huge international sport these days. There are a lot of talented kids around the world who would love to come here to the United States and, and play and get paid a six-figure salary. Well, so what about this? I mean, so let's, just, let's walk through this. Suppose your kid does sign up to play in this league uh, at age of 16 or 17, uh, but after a year, the league decides to it's not working, it folds, goes out of business. Um, or maybe you find out your kid decides after playing this, uh, this elite league that uh, he's not as good as he thought he was in basketball. So, um, you know, he may not, he's not going to be a star in this pro league for high school players, but so he's already turned pro. Maybe maybe he could have gotten a scholarship to college after he graduated from high school, um, but he didn't because he turned pro. I mean, it's it's a to me, it's a very very big risk to be taking with your your career. Now I know some might say, well, what about the G League? Well, in the NBA, it's a little different from the G League because quite frankly, the kids are older, have had more time to develop. Uh, their skills in high school, and they're physically uh, older as well. Uh, that's a big difference. And it's different from Europe, where, you know, in Europe, there aren't any high school varsity programs. It's all club ball. And college scholarships don't really exist over there like they do here in the States. I, I just think it's it's a real concern. Um, but again, 
there's a certain curiosity factor about this because, uh, gee whiz, what, you know, as I said, 16-year-old kid decides to go pro and uh, is going to basically get paid $100,000, give up the rest of their high school career and their college career. That's, that's, that's quite a jump, uh, simple as that. All right, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to Jay in Connecticut. Jay, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? You stole some of my thunder, but realistically, yeah, people, a lot of, as you guys all that are on the radio now, no, sports are ruined by some of these coaches that think they're coaching kids that are in the NCAA and the pros, and it starts down a low level. You have parents, every parent will do it, maybe it's human nature, every kid going NCAA. You have, I go and see... You go and see my grandkid play, didn't want to play baseball anymore. It's too long. Rather than saying, hey, the way it is now, let's enjoy the game, 80, 90 minutes, finish the batting, drop dead, let's get these kids playing again. They're on the field two and a half hours for Little League and some of these things. You know, that's why kids don't want to play. So then you have the real good kids that mommy and daddy say, hey, I'll mortgage the house to get you on that travel team. Or your Little League team's not good. How about building your kid up to say, this is real life. When you get a job, you got to adjust to what the boss is doing or the company's doing. But every kid is going pro. So I blame the parents for buying into this stuff. And I have no problem with these people creating these hairball leaks. Let's keep Congress out of it. They're ruining the country. Imagine what they would do to sports even further. (laughs) Let's be real. Jay, uh, I I hear you loud and clear. And, yes, that is the concern that, uh, you know, traditionally sometimes Congress gets involved in things and make things even worse. We we know that. Uh, But I – and I know what you're saying, too, that the the focus with our sports parents today – unfortunately, is that because they become aware of the fact that there is a potential, and that's the key word, potential big payoff if a kid gets a college scholarship or turns pro, uh, that that could just mean uh, just really totally enhance the, the family's financial situation. The problem is, as you well know, and I've said this endlessly, that so few kids ever even make a college team, much less get a college scholarship, that it's just the parents are, are totally missing the boat. They're, they've lost perspective. They're, they're, their eyes are so focused on the prize, they don't really realize that the, the, the prize is sort of ethereal. It's, it's vapor. It's just, it's, it's just not going to happen for the vast majority of our kids, no matter – and, Jay, thank you for the call. It doesn't make any difference how hard your kid works at the sport. If they don't have the talent to get to the next level, it's just not going to happen. And, and I, I, I know that sounds cruel and hard. But again, you want to let your kid go out, enjoy the sport, have fun at it, uh, get the most they can out of their abilities. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens about getting to the next level. Again, the, the stats are just staggering when we talk about less than 4% of all high school athletes, less, uh, four, less than 4% of all high school varsity athletes ever make a college team at Division One, Two, II, or Three level. And the fact is, I understand this, most parents say about their youngsters, yeah, well, my kid is one of those 4%. And no, that's not true. You're just not dealing with reality. It's just not the way it's going to work. And yet, we know this is what goes on because there's such a desire to see our kids continue to keep playing sports uh, beyond the high school level. And it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's an oasis, that, which is a myth. It, it doesn't exist. It's it just, it just a... 
it's just a, a mirage. It's as simple as that. And there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of upset uh, moms and dads and kids when the when, it, when they come to the end of their high school career and no, they don't get any scholarship offers from, from college programs. Let's continue our conversation. Let's go to Rich in Island Park. Hey, uh, Rich, good morning. You're next up on The Fan. To see our kids continue to keep playing sports uh, beyond the high school level. And it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's an oasis. It, which is a myth. It, it doesn't exist. It, it just, it's just Rich, a, I, I'm sorry, Rich. It's, I, just I, a, I, it's as simple as that. And there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of upset uh, moms and dads and kids when, the, when, it, when they come to the end of their high school career and no, they don't get any <laughs> scholarship offers from, from college programs. Let's Rich, are you there? I, 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 Let's go to Rich in Island Park. Hey, uh, uh, right, look, it isn't like I don't mind hearing myself talk. I just obviously said the same thing. <laughs> and I, I think maybe those points are worth repeating, so I'm glad we heard them. But again, this is what we're talking about. We have to, you know, as adults, and that's where we are as sports parents, we have to deal with the realities of our kids' lives because they're looking for us for guidance. And that ties back into what we were saying before about this uh, this uh, overtime elite basketball league. Sure, it's enticing to think that your kid is a superstar on the rise, but why would you want to take that gamble with your youngster's uh, future, perhaps college career or uh, a high school career for sure by gambling that they may become a real b- a basketball superstar in this league which may go away within a year or two you just don't know let's uh, let's continue with uh, coach Lou from Lou, uh, Louie from Lindbrook Lou good morning Rick, Rick good morning I just want to say I've been saying this all all along that we need a commissioner and you are the voice of the people uh, to be that commissioner and I don't know when they're gonna wake up and realize that but uh, my point is today that this is a tremendous sacrifice for the kids to play pro basketball. Kids want to be able to uh, to attend the, the band, play in the band, be in the chorus, go to their prom, all these other extracurricular activities. These are going to be canceled out. Who's going to manage their money? They won't even finish high school or college, uh, and they'll never be home, and their parents will miss them. Believe me, this is going to backfire on them. This is a recipe for disaster. Academically, this will destroy the kid, and it also waters down the NCAA in basketball. Bad idea, Rick. Lou, I got to tell you, I, I got so much wonderful feedback uh, on your behalf uh, from last week's show when you talked about in great detail about what high school coaches have to go through in terms of getting qualified to to work as coaches at the high school level. Uh, you were going through a litany of things that I don't think most parents are aware of that in terms of, first of all, foremost, uh, a high school coach is an educator uh, and, and obviously has been trained and has gone through college and a graduate school program to become an educator, certified, licensed, having an OCPR, uh, and on and on and on on and on, as opposed to anybody who decides, look, I used to play the sport as a kid. I think I'm going to set up a travel program for soccer or for baseball or for whatever sport it may be. Uh, and, Lou, I, I just wanted to commend you because, I don't, as I said, I don't know if most parents know. I mean, I think they look upon coaches, a coach is a coach is a coach, not knowing that the high school coaches in particular have to go through a lot of qualifications and criteria uh, and get hired and be overseen by an athletic director, and be reviewed every year. It, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's a time it's a time commitment, not only with time but with money out of our pockets. Yes, and yes. Uh, I I got to tell you that this is not easy. Every year, every year you become evaluated. 
you come up again and again and again. And like I said, after you take all those 10 courses that I had mentioned last week, then you, it's a repeat evaluation system. Every year you're evaluated by the superintendent who, who sends all that paperwork upstate to upstate New York. And then after that's done, then another year comes along and you've got to reapply all over again. This goes on for three years, then another three years, then finally you get your professional coaching license. It's a litany it's a litany of time commitments for the coach. And I know parents don't know about this, but it's truly a commitment to the student and uh, to the community for what you're trying to do. People don't understand how much we care about the kids, what we're willing to go through to, to be able to coach because we really care about the kids and do it the right way. Lou, as I said, I, I had so much positive feedback from uh, your call last week, and this one I, I, I want you to discuss it again this morning. I'm glad you did. It's quite a it's a full time commitment that I don't think most parents, certainly the kids, aren't aware of. And I understand. And Lou, thank you as always for for chiming in. I also understand, of course, that if you're a high school coach, and let's face it, uh, you know, you might get weary uh, of, of having to go through all these hoops and hurdles uh, to, to be eligible to coach and work with kids at the high school level. And all of a sudden you say, well, you know, there's a travel program in town or a club program in town, and they've come to me and said, would you like to be involved? And you'll make a lot more money. You don't have to worry about uh, all the paperwork and uh, regulations that you have to deal with at the, uh, at the school level. Uh, I can certainly understand uh, how that becomes much more attractive to, to any any coach who wants to say, look, I, I like everybody else, I have to pay my bills, and I want to go out and do what I can, and quite frankly, um, I'll have less interference from the administration, from the school or the athletic director. Maybe I'll have less problems with the parents as well. So it's a very, very attractive alternative situation that I understand that uh, high school coaches, and we know a lot of high school coaches do exactly that. They go off and work with club teams or travel programs. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and you hope, of course, that, that they bring all their training with them and, and clearly do the right thing for the kids in these travel programs. But again, it would be so much better for all of us if there were some sort of commission panel of blue ribbon experts who can basically give advice and give real counsel to sports parents and to coaches, quite frankly, all over this country. And it seems like that is, to me at least, the next logical step. I hope, I hope it happens. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. Please stick around for Sweeney Murdy and Coleman. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.